Welcome to the Here and Now Motherhood podcast. Here and Now Motherhood is a nonprofit designed to support moms in their transition to motherhood. I'm your host, Nicole Hunt. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Here and Now Motherhood podcast. So during this season of the Here and Now Motherhood podcast, we're breaking down matrescence or the transition into motherhood. So one of the things that changes during matrescence are our relationships with those around us. Um, so when we're referring to postpartum during this episode, we're going to we're talking about the period after delivery and birth. I know sometimes we shorten postpartum depression to postpartum. So just keep that in mind as we're talking about, um, as we, if we mention postpartum de- depression, we're talking about depression. Whereas if we're saying postpartum, we're talking about the period after birth and delivery. So we have a, um, a guest today. So she's a couples therapist and she specializes in uh, perinatal mental health. So would you mind introducing yourself? Yeah. Hi. Welcome to all of the listeners. My name is Andrea Hans. I am a California licensed marriage and family therapist. I specialize in perinatal mental health, as Nicole just said, and I also provide individual couples therapy. So um, in addition to being a marriage family therapist, I also am a registered art therapist and have been sitting with clients now for uh, about nine or 10 years and have worked with a whole range of folks and a whole range of women within their motherhood journeys. And I'm very happy to be here. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, so as I mentioned before, um, mothers and birthers, um, one of the big changes that happens during pregnancy and after birth is our relationships change a lot with those around us. So mm-hmm. Can you tell us just some of the, what those changes look like look like in the families that you work with? Yeah, so pregnancy and afterbirth are times of, of course, immense change and transformation for the woman and for her family. In each woman, pregnancy, family is different. And so what those changes look like and how those individuals are able to adjust is unique to each situation. But one thing that's true for all of us is that a new baby creates more space in the family unit. Um, We're adding to and we're expanding our worlds when baby comes along. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I love that. Expanding our worlds. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, So obviously we know that not all moms or brothers are partnered, but let's just talk about... um, to start people who have partners. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we can talk about single parenting. Um, but what are some of the biggest changes you see happen between a mom or a birther and their partner um, during pregnancy and uh, postpartum? Yeah. So one major thing is that the partners take on new roles. They aren't only the two individual halves of a couple anymore. They're also now parents. And so parenting asks us to co-create, to collaborate, and to compromise between the parents and with the child and the baby to a certain extent as well. And what it looks like to be a spouse changes with the stresses and opportunities that come with the territory of being a parent. So time and attention that you had to give to date night, sort of quality alone time, interest in or energy for sexual intimacy might be less abundant. 
Um, some couples feel like there's been a total shift in focus from us to baby. And all of that is absolutely common and that's okay. And for a time you might not be able to plan for and go out for your date nights, but you can find smaller ways to spend time at home. Maybe that's cooking together after baby's asleep for the first stretch of the night or just sitting together on the couch. Getting back to your sexual intimacy will take time because the woman's body needs time to physically heal from the birth. She also may need time to feel emotionally ready. So there are other ways to connect intimately other than penetrative sex. You can hold hands, you can kiss, you can hug, you can dance close. But with the new role as parents, the adults get to work together to recreate what their spouse relationships look like. I love that to recreate it. Do you find that many like partnered couples, they kind of, it's kind of like starting from scratch almost, or is it like kind of a, a new chapter? Yeah, I think it's a new chapter. You're not starting from scratch. You know, you still have all of the history and all of the memory and the love, the foundation that was there. You're just finding ways to reconnect with each other and you're relearning these new aspects of each other. You know, the the mother is, she birthed a baby, but she also birthed a new version of herself, a new aspect of herself. And dad comes into his own as well. And so you get to witness that. So you're not starting over. It's just adding to, adjusting yeah. to. I love that. I love that you said that the woman birthed a new aspect of herself. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Um, what are some of the, you mentioned some things that kind of happen and then some, like some things that these new partners, oh, well, not new partners, but like um, post-baby partners can can do what what are some of the pitfalls that you see um that are common yeah one thing that may surprise couples and this is couples who like this is their first child um marital satisfaction tends to decline after the arrival of the first child and that's something that's been you know getting researchers attention for some years so don't feel alone in that um Researchers have seen that women, specifically in heterosexual relationships, experience more dissatisfaction than parents in same-sex relationships. And so some of the thinking is for that maybe that heterosexual couples ascribe more to traditional gender roles. And then women are doing more after baby because she's caring for baby, but then she's also still doing the other household tasks. And then they're not split in a way that feels fair. So, you know, resentment, dissatisfaction, all of that starts to creep in. So it can be helpful to have a plan for how to tackle and divide those tasks. And when you're thinking about how to do that, it doesn't have to be like 50-50, like I'm doing 10 things or you're doing 10 things, but what really feels equitable as far as like the effort and time that each person is putting into their, what they have to do in the day. So you might make a list of like a communal to-do list, um, creating a weekly family calendar for appointments and events, tasks that have regular deadlines. And I really like that idea of the combined calendar because you get to set aside time each week to talk about the week ahead and to talk about what each person needs, what each person wants to get done. And then putting it together on the calendar, there's an agreement to prioritize these things. And then of course, don't forget to include the self-care for both parents 
because whatever, you know, whatever else is going on, you also still need to be able to tend to yourself and take care of yourself. But whatever system works for your family, talk that through with your partner. Communication is one of the main issues that brings couples into therapy. And it's especially helpful to have open conversations and open communication before and after baby. So every day there's going to be seemingly hundreds of decisions to make that will need collaboration and compromise. And if you can get through those with curiosity and openness, things will go a lot smoother. I love that. Is is there anything else that you would like to add to that? Um, Not necessarily on the communication piece, but I did want to touch on another thing that can be really disruptive after baby that sometimes women aren't expecting for themselves is that um, some women and dads also can develop a perinatal mood disorder like postpartum depression. You mentioned that earlier. So dads, dads can present with a postpartum mood disorder like anxiety or depression. They can benefit from extra support, but right now I'm just going to focus on talking about the moms. So after your tiny human has joined you in the world, your body goes through this really dramatic change on a hormonal level. And these large fluctuations can continue around breastfeeding events like disruptions, weaning, et cetera. And these fluctuations in the hormones can contribute to um, developing a mood disorder. That's not to say that every woman will or that every woman will get one so severely that it completely impacts and wrecks her life, but just something to be aware of. Yeah, I think that's really important. And especially as like, that's will obviously affect like your relationship with your partner if there's depression or another anxiety or mood disorder in the mix. Right. They The symptoms and the experiences associated with those perinatal mood disorders affect the whole family, not just the woman, but her relationship with her partner, her they could affect her ability to connect with her new baby. They may affect if there's older children in the house. You know, it really is a family event, not just a woman's burden. Yeah. And it sounds like like there's obviously going to be like a learning and growth period after the baby joins the family or after birth and delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if there's a mood disorder, it's going to be like, more than that. Like, it's not just like learning and growing. It's like, this is something that we need to figure out. That's like kind of bigger than that. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And it can be helpful to take some time to educate yourself about potential experiences, even before baby comes while you're still pregnant. Um, and dads or the other parent family members, they can be a part of that because you um, and the and those closest around you know your baseline, so they know like how you react to stress. They they might know what it looks like when you're having a bad day. But when the mother is really struggling after baby with a mood disorder, with a perinatal, with a postpartum mood disorder, she might not be able to see that. But those around her can, and so then mm-hmm. they know what to look for. If they know if they've already kind of educated themselves, then they can say, hey, are you, are you okay? What do we need? Let's figure out what we can do to wrap around you, to lift you up. And then mom needs to be honest and there's no shame in what you're feeling. So you can say, yeah, I'm not okay. Yeah, I love that. Like having people kind of on your team that 
you have relationships with that can kind of help be a smoke alarm so that we can like move forward and yeah. get, get the help we need. Yeah. Yeah. Seek support. And it doesn't, the postpartum uh, mental health disorders, they don't last forever. And with time it, you get better and with support you, you know, you get better and you can be well and be the mom that you want to be, but you have to be able to recognize. And if it's not you recognizing, like I said, your team around you, like having them have your back. Totally. And I think that team can be lots of people. Like I remember when I, I had been working with my OBGYN for a while before I ever like considered even getting pregnant. And then she was, she was the first person to notice something was off with me. Like she Mm -hmm. was like, she was like, what? I sent her this long email where, where I was like ranting about how upset I was about something. And she was like, what? this is not like you. And so she managed to get me into the office, which was hard to like wrangle a mom with postpartum depression in the first place. But like, um, and then she just like, cause I actually knew her and trusted her. She's like, what's going on? And I just like started crying. Cause I was like, she's like, okay. And she totally like, I mean, honestly, she like saved my life. She was awesome. So I think it's Mm -hmm. great to have like tons of people Mm -hmm. on your team. Right. Yeah. Your OB is part of that team your pediatrician is part of that team your you know not it's not just your close immediate family but the providers who you see regularly before and after baby also totally um one of the things you mentioned about navigating these changes um with your partner was communication do you have any like communication styles or methods that you like to use with your clients Um, I think, I think one, one thing that can help with communication and to a certain extent, I think that sometimes we have to learn how to be able to really listen well when, when we're in communication with our partners or children or other family members, friends, but being able to listen to the feeling not necessarily what's being said, especially if it's an activating or intense conversation. Listen for the feeling and then speak to that. And and remembering that this person is on your side. You know, this is your partner. This is the, the, the parent to your child. You want the same things. And remembering the, you know, what brought you together, what, what makes you feel warm towards this person, holding that in your mind so that you can respond then from a more softer place. I love that so much because like sometimes, especially if we're like talking with our partner about something that happened in the past, like it doesn't so much matter like what the facts are about it. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are your feelings? And yeah. let's let's address that because that's really what we're trying to communicate to them anyways. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I love that. Um, anything else you would like to add about um, mothers navigating um, navigating these changes with their partner during pregnancy and after birth? Yeah, just I want to kind of highlight that today I'm kind of speaking from the assumption that there's no partner violence between in the couple. And so if that is the case, I would definitely encourage please seek help and support. But in addition, or kind of stepping back 
if we're assuming that the cup, you know, there's, they're generally able to kind of move well in their relationship. Couples therapy, individual therapy can be immensely helpful at any point. It doesn't have to be only when there's a problem. Um, And then I'd also encourage being open with one another about your needs, your hopes, your boundaries. One of the tenets of yoga that fits in well with this is nonviolence. And so, of course, Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily just physical violence, but also, you know, the thoughts and the and the words that you say to yourself and those around you. So having grace and compassion, that goes a long way. Um, even, if, yeah. Oh, go, go ahead, ahead. sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna say, I love that you just mentioned like how you're talking to yourself too, because I think mm-hmm. that relationship changes during pregnancy and postpartum too, like how you view mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah, yeah. There's a million opportunities when you're pregnant and as a new mom to compare yourself. And that's not necessarily the kindest thing that we can do. So just being aware of what, you know, what you're saying, what you're thinking about yourself and saying to yourself. Totally. Yeah. And so also utilizing your support system, creating you know, creating those bonds, leaning into them. There's still ways to connect and feel supported by friends and family, even while, you know, we're sheltering in place and different parts of the country have different restrictions on what's allowed right now, but there's still ways to tap in and to, you know, get sustenance from those relationships. And then don't forget to take care of yourself. Self-care is not selfish and help each other prioritize that because when you take care of yourself and you do things that help you recharge and recenter, you're able to show up more fully in your relationships with your partner, with your children, with your friends, with yourself. That's beautiful. Thank you. Um, so now if we could talk a little bit about those mothers or birthers that are single parenting. Mm -hmm. And of course there's going to be like variations in between that, like co-parenting. Right. Um, But can you tell us a little bit about when you see a, um, a mother or a birther that's doing that single parenting, like how are her relationships with people around her changing during pregnancy and after birth? Yeah. And hats off to those single parents. They have a big job, but they're, For those parenting on their own, their relationships with the other parent may change and shift, um, as well as the relationship with their own families and friends, the partner's families and friends. So just, you know, it's, it's a time of, it's a time of creation. It's a time of shift and adjustment. And that happens with or without having your other partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, um, so kind of like, regardless of if you have another partner with you there, it's still going to be this big transformational period of your life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Um, do you find that, um, single parents have any unique struggles that partnered parents might not when it comes to relationships postpartum or during pregnancy? Um, Maybe they don't. I don't know. So 
I don't know if it's anything. Maybe they might feel like maybe isolation and loneliness more acutely then, mm -hmm. but then even women who are partnered can feel that also very deeply too. So I don't know necessarily if it's something with the relationship specifically that is unique to either set of parents. Mm -hmm. Certainly single single parents, you know, they, they're doing all of the caretaking. They're doing all of the household. They're doing, you know, all of the parenting everything is on their shoulders where if you have a partner, you're able to, to share the load. Um, so certainly it might feel more intense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Anytime I meet a single parent, I'm just like, you're amazing. Yeah. Yeah. They have a big job. They're doing yeah. the job of two. Yeah, definitely. Or the job of a whole village, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about like the relationship with like grandma and grandpa mm -hmm. of the baby, um, and how that changes and some of the common things we see happen during pregnancy and postpartum. Sure. Um, so people tend to think about the arrival of a new baby as a happy and exciting time. Um, a mother might experience her relationship with her parents changing now. And maybe it might be that she, her parents feel overbearing and they're wanting to take over, or maybe that she wants more involvement and support than her parents are giving. So you might see that both with parents and with in-laws where that can be the case. But a new baby can also be very a reparative experience for families as well. Um, in a sense, there's this opportunity, like this, there's this do-over opportunity built into having a baby. So the mother can think about her relationship with her mother and like her mother's parenting style, which of course is informed by the grandmother's parenting style. And so the, the new mom gets to decide, you know, what do I want to carry forward? What do I want to continue? Um, and what do I want to change? Yeah, I think that's so interesting that it's kind of built in because I think it's like very natural as a mother to when you first start mothering your own child to be like, wow, I totally understand why my parents did this and this and this like and mm -hmm. I never did for the last, you know, 30 years of my life. Mm -hmm. But and then there might be other things where you're like, why on earth did they do this? Like I'm a parent now and I just don't get it. Right. So it's pretty interesting how that's kind of built in. Right. Yeah. And then parents and other family members, the, so the grandparents and other family members may want to be helpful to the new mother and often will share stories of their own experiences and advice for how to do things. Um, and of course, that's all very sweet and nice. Um, but I've, I've heard women say that they feel that that advice came with some dose of judgment or that they had figured that the other person had to be right, even though it didn't necessarily feel right to them in their situation which caused a lot of stress. So for that unsolicited advice, it can help to hold in mind that it's not likely coming from a place of malice and that the giver really is just trying to offer something useful and connect with you in that way. And so if it is actually useful, great, take it. And if not, you don't have to do anything with it. There 
that's okay too. There are ways to respond that might, you know, might just be smiling and nodding and saying thank you and then moving on with your day. You might say, well, we're doing things differently in our family, but thank you. Yeah, I think that's so mm-hmm. I think that's so true that I've I mean, I don't think I've ever met a grandparent that's telling um you know, their kid of like in a malicious manner, like they don't have any malice behind it. Like they're just legitimately trying to help. And so I like that reframe. Yeah. And we're, we're not going to do the same things in the same way because all of us are different people and that's beautiful and that's okay. So just rest in, if you can try to get to that point where you can rest in knowing that you will do what's best for your family and what you're most comfortable with. And, you know, the advice, if it's helpful, take it. And if not, it's okay to, you know, smile and leave it on the table. I love that. Um, And do you find that those types of things um, happen between, like, in-laws and parents? Like, it doesn't really matter if they're an in-law or a parent? Yeah, it happens. In-laws, parents, aunts, uncles, you know, everyone strangers on the street (laughs) people see you know this cute you have this cute new baby with you and they're and they want to share you know something that worked for them some tip that they had or you know when you were a baby I did this with you or when you know your husband was a baby we did this with him so it's just you know they're wanting they're wanting to connect and, and live in that joy with you I love that. Connect and live in that joy. That's awesome. Cause in a way they're kind of like reliving like, Oh my gosh, this was so awesome. When I finally figured out how to do blah, blah, blah. Right. I'm going to share that with you. Yeah. Um, do you have any, um, advice for navigating with parents or in-laws? I think being really from the beginning again, like having those open communication lines, during pregnancy, after pregnancy, and being really honest about what your boundaries are, what your needs are, and and being able to clearly articulate, you know, like, this is how I would like support. This is how we would like help. Mm -hmm. So that everyone knows how they, you know, how they fit in and what their jobs are once baby's here. Totally. Yeah, I love that. Like I've, I've, I've seen some moms, they'll like post a list on their fridge when they're like, you know, in their first six weeks postpartum, especially mm-hmm. um, of like, these are the things I need help with. And it's just very clear. And yeah. yeah, that's great. And then you, then, you know, whoever's coming to help, they don't have to say, Hey mom, what do you need help with? Because maybe she can't even remember or articulate in that particular moment. Just if there's a list somewhere or if there has been communication about it beforehand, and people come in knowing. Yeah, I love that. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the changes in the family dynamics as it relates to other kids, mm-hmm. like older children in the family. Can you touch on like how that, what that often looks like? Yeah. So the obvious thing that comes to mind is that now the older sibling or siblings have to share the parents' attention with a new family member. And so the relationship between the parent and child can adjust to meet the needs of the child in new creative ways. Um, You know, yeah, they're sharing the attention, they're sharing the time, but, 
you know, this is, this is a family, a family event. This is something that's happening with the family. And so, you know, we just have to be creative on how we're all going to be able to work together. Yeah. Do you, do you find that it takes a lot of trial and error with your clients on how to make that work? Um, yes and no. I mean, I think I've seen where, you know, luckily a lot of folks have their families nearby or really close friends nearby. So they're able to kind of step in and kind of help make the transition a little bit smoother. But one way that you might help older siblings to feel prepared um, or give them give them heads up about what you might expect for them. Well, it's going to be different depending on how old the children are in the house. Mm-hmm. What you're gonna what what you might say to prepare a 16 year old is, and what you might expect of a 16 year old is going to be different than a five year old. So I'll speak from the assumption that we're talking about the siblings are within within five years of new baby. So kids like all of us, they like to know what's going on. They want to know what's what's coming next, what to expect. Um, They don't need to know all the details, of course, because they're little, but they do appreciate some preparation just like we do as adults. So you can talk to them about the new baby being a family event because it is, it's happening to everyone. And, you know, you can talk to them about how everyone is going to have a job to do and get them involved. So the younger kids love to be helpful to their adults. They can get in on the nesting by helping to fold the baby's clothes, helping to rearrange their room if they'll be sharing with the baby. Um, you can talk with them about how the baby's, you know, through pregnancy, or how the baby's growing inside, encouraging them to sing to the baby and, you know, like help foster that connection with the baby early on. A friend of mine actually shared that she talked with her kids about what they might observe and hear through the process. And I thought that that was so great. So preparing them by saying things like mommy might make strange noises or you might see mommy crying because she's in pain, but it just means that baby's coming and everything will be okay. And then after the new baby arrives, you might notice some behavioral changes. Maybe sometimes, you know, the kids might be more clingy or, crying or other attention seeking behaviors and that's also absolutely common and okay if we can understand that you know where they're coming from the new baby is a big change for everyone and change typically isn't our favorite thing as humans so change can bring up big emotions for everyone as well and it may take an amount of time to figure out the new rhythm of your family but you will eventually. And with, with the older kids, you know, you just figure out new ways to give them what they need. So maybe, you know, you play at a different time of the day than you used to, because now, you know, now you have to adjust to baby schedule or maybe you bring in, bring in partner or a family member or a friend to, take the older sibling out or to hold the new baby so that you can just hold the older sibling for a little bit and then they can have that physical connection with you. I love that. That's all some really good advice. And 
ideas on how to, how to navigate that. I especially liked, um, what you said about like prepping them for what the birth is going to be like, Mm -hmm. because that might be kind of scary if they don't know ahead of time. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it can be pretty, you know, every birth is, every birth is different and it happens differently with labor and birth, but it can be pretty dramatic. It can be long and drawn out. It can be really quick and it can be scary for a little one, you know, if they're not really completely sure what's happening. So yeah, when my friend was sharing that that's what she did with, with her set, I was, I thought that was great. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Um, any other things that, um, that are useful for moms to know, um, with how their relationship with kid, their the older siblings change, um, with a new baby? I think just knowing that, you know, it's okay to, it's okay if you feel, you know, whatever it is that you're feeling about, you know, how things might be changing is okay and common. You know, babies sometimes can be very, or it can feel like, you know, all of our attention is focused on this new bundle. And so everything else kind of falls by the wayside. And you'll get back to being able to feel like you can come up and look around and breathe. You know, your older siblings, if you've kind of talked with them, if you have your network around them also giving attention, they can be understanding also. They know that this is a big change for you. They know because they know it's a big change for them. So just being patient with yourself and being compassionate with yourself. Um, You know, having a new baby isn't going to all of a sudden make you, you know, unavailable to the older ones. You'll, You'll love all of them and you'll continue to be the best mom for all of them and, you know, making the best decisions for the family. I love that. And I love like bringing the attention back to ourselves as mothers as well. Um, cause like when we're grounded and when we're kind to ourselves, things tend to go a little smoother. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, um, as birthers or maybe, maybe the partner, how our relationships with our friends can change especially when, um, I mean, it might be, they might change if our friends have kids or maybe our friends don't have kids. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So our social network seems to simultaneously expand and contract postpartum. Uh, pre COVID there were lots of opportunities for new moms to meet at the park at story time at postpartum fitness classes and the diaper aisle at target, those things aren't really happening right now. And so it's okay to feel sad about that. Um, but for listeners who are in areas where more is open, uh, I remember reading something about new mom friends that was so helpful. There's something along the lines of just like you're silently hoping that that new mom with a baby that's close in age to yours would come up and say hi to you and ask to hang out. They are also silently hoping the same thing of you. 
so we can normalize the fear for ourselves and then maybe release it. And so we might be meeting new friends after we're starting to be up and about. But the mother might also feel that the friends that she had before baby who don't have kids of their own don't seem to have as much time anymore. And just being mindful that, you know, you're in different stages of life and that that's okay. And just like we might be figuring out the new rhythms of our relationships with, you know, our, our other kids, if there's other kids in the home or with our families, friendships will work themselves out as well. There's a lot of newness. There's a lot of adjusting and recalibrating. All of that's part of having a baby. So just be patient, be kind to yourself as you're figuring it all out. I love that, the being patient piece of it. I think that's important. Um, So are there any other like major relationships you see change with your clients during pregnancy or after birth? Um, Well, I mean, we kind of have been kind of touching on it the entire time, but the relationship with yourself also changes. You know, you you knew yourself as one in one version before baby. And then now there's all these new aspects of yourself that open up after baby. And so getting to know that person and appreciating that person and honoring, honoring that change, honoring that, you know, transformation because it is, Yeah. Like our identity changes Mm -hmm. and our body changes and the way we feel about it, all of those things. And sometimes we just have like straight up, like can't remember things as well. Like our mind changes a little bit. Right. Yeah. So tons and tons of changes within ourself. Yeah. And, you know, we can be, we can be curious about it rather than judgmental about it. You know, mm-hmm. we can be we can be softer about it and more accepting. I love that. Um, do you have any other advice that you'd like to share um, about navigating all of these relationship changes? Just to reiterate that this is a time of great change and lots of newness, and every family, pregnancy, woman, baby is different. So being understanding of that and compassionate with yourself as you learn and go on the journey is super helpful. And, you know, to try to give yourself and your partner grace, you're both coming into new parts of yourselves and your relationship may feel like it has to take a back burner, but even now it's important to find ways to keep the focus on your love bond. So single or partnered, tap into your communities Take time for yourself. Take care of yourself. Find ways to connect with yourself and honor those parts of you that have changed and also the parts that haven't. Um, Eat nourishing foods, spend time outside, move your body. All of these things help us to feel better. And then, of course, if you feel that your thoughts or feelings are too overwhelming, that things are too difficult, that you're really struggling, don't afraid to be honest with your support system, with yourself, and reach out for help. Um, so s- some of those places, PSI, Postpartum Support International, has a, has a provider registry 
where you can find professionals in your area who are trained in maternal mental health. Your OB, your pediatrician, they may have, you know, providers in your area that they work with specifically. So be honest with yourself and with those around you and reach out. Um, since you are a therapist that's been trained with PSI, can you just um, give our listeners some of the highlights of why it's really useful to work with someone when you're postpartum to work with somebody who's been trained in perinatal mental health versus just um, anybody? Yeah, when you have when you have the specific training, um, I think that there's more. There's just I think that there can be more awareness, you know, that those providers who have this and it's not just PSI that offers it, but those providers that do have specific training on this, like they have been given extra information that maybe a therapist who is not trained in perinatal mood disorders, uh, those therapists didn't get in their just, you know, graduate or experience training on their path to licensure, whatever that looks like in your state. So they have this extra set of um, professionals that they were learning from, this extra coursework that they were learning from that really helps them to conceptualize how all of this major change that happens to a mother during pregnancy and afterwards affects her body, which affects our mind because it's all connected. And so having just that extra sensitivity to knowing, you know, like what to look out for and how everything might be working together to contribute to what is happening in the moment with the mother can be, you know, a lot more beneficial than not having that. Totally. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so are there any questions I should have asked but didn't or any last words that you'd like to share? No, not that I can think of. Okay, awesome. Um, can you share with our listeners how they can get a hold of you if they'd like to? Sure. So if you are in the state of California where I am licensed um, you and you are wanting to get a hold of me to potentially work together or, you know, whatever the case may be. But I'm in the state of California. If you are also there, my website is my name, Andrea Hans, so A-N-D-R-E-A-H-A-N-S, and then mft.com. You can also find me on social media, um, on Instagram and on Facebook. Both of those are at Andrea Hans MFT. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing all of your wisdom. Thank you, Nicole. It was great talking with you. Until next time, this has been the Here and Now Motherhood Podcast. 